Welcome to the Get Offset Podcast. My name is Andrew. And I'm Emily. And I'm I'm Sadie. <laughs> Do I? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. A co-host. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and Sadie is known for her work with Speedy Ortiz, probably mostly, right? Yeah, I do. I got a couple things. Um, I play in a project called Sad Thirteen as well, um, and I'm also a poet. That's awesome. Thank Very you. Cool. Well, um, this is maybe the earliest in any time zone that we've recorded. Really? What time zone are you all in? Pacific. Okay, so I just came from your time zone, so it feels exact. Exactly the same to me. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> what's what's not helping my condition at all is that my husband's been out of town on business and he just got back at uh three thirty last night. Oh his flight got way delayed from New York. Well, I can relate because I was supposed to be home uh twenty hours earlier than I was. We had oh. some pretty severe weather on the east coast, I guess, and I got stuck in LA for a little extra time. 20 Which hours. is why I had to push you up even earlier because I have um, things to do today that I thought I'd be recovered from jet lag wise. And yeah, anyway. Not happening. Well, thanks for thanks for uh, keeping with us and not canceling. Oh, anytime. <laughs> yeah. So I think on that note, a couple of us are at least drinking coffee. Indeed. Yeah, I'm just on the water right now. Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to lie. I like got out of bed like half an hour ago. Nice. It's uh, I'm it's jealous. A week off for me, so I've yeah. actually I haven't been to work in a full week now. It's the strangest thing. That's pretty dope, though. I'm usually at work at like five, six, five or six in the morning, and to be waking up at eight feels so gluttonous. It's kind of nice. That, that is nice. I, I can't even imagine five or six in the morning. No. I guess yeah. I I, I had to be up. Um, I guess I had to be up around six Pacific time because I just got, I got home at like eleven uh, p.m. last night, so I, I did get a, a long sleep in. But I was up early for a phone call, and I just don't. I had a bad. Um, I'm very sensitive to pretty much anything you can put in your body, um, including caffeine, and so typically I'll have like one cup of tea a day. But I was in LA the past couple weeks doing some not even a couple weeks, but a little over a week doing some recording, and I was taking all these meetings, and I was just like working from 7 a.m. to like 1 or 2 a.m. every day uh, without really any time off or time to myself. So I was caffeinating a little more than usual. And I had one day where I had to get four meetings in before I had to record. So it was like one coffee, second coffee, one matcha, second matcha. Felt great all day. Oh, my gosh. But I woke up the next morning with my heart like racing as if I was still really caffeinated and I didn't, I didn't have to put any, any caffeine in the whole day. So, um, I'm trying, I'm going to slow down now. <laughs> Maybe never drink four caffeine drinks in a row. Just living That's a lot. the name Speedy Ortiz. Oh my God. Yeah. Usually I'm, I'm a <laughs> slow bro, but not this week. Yeah. I, my, I actually bogarted the entire half a pot of coffee I just made. I put it into one of my Stanley so I can, I, I work from home and on Fridays, my husband also works from home, <clears throat> but, uh, we have to separate otherwise nothing ever gets done. So I go downstairs into my office and just to keep myself from having to come back upstairs, I poured like half the pot of coffee into my Stanley <laughs> thermos. So I just have my Stanley thermos and I have my very rude bird mug. It has a bunch of birds with names like bearded tit, Southern screamer, Woodcock, cock of the these, rock. That's these are actual birds. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. Nice. Rough-faced sag, red-billed oxpecker. This mug makes me so happy. Yes, that's a great mug. It is tufted titmouse and dicks, dick kissel. Huh. I wonder what ornithologist came up with those names. Very horny one. Very caffeinated one. Mm. There we go. Very nice. Very nice. Caffeine is the new drug. Welcome to 2019 for the Get Offset podcast. Caffeine <laughs> is the new drug. Pot is the new legal drug. Alcohol. Where do we even file that? Drugs. Tuesday Old drugs. Food. Food. 
My parents are in town, and my mom, whenever she's in town, she likes to go to the the pot shops because she just loves that that's a thing now. <laughs> Aww. She always buys all these things and never opens them. <laughs> I've been sort of cautiously diving into uh, CBD, but but not cautiously enough. Like I can't, um, I really can't do any. As I said, very sensitive even to caffeine. Like I cannot smoke pot. Um, but we played a festival in Portland a few weeks ago, and we got a goodie bag at the end of it that was all this CBD stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, came home on a red eye, which I hate to do. Um, and I had really terrible um, jet lag the next night, and it was like 4.30 in the morning. I had stuff to do early in the morning, and I was like, I'll never fall asleep. I could just take a Benadryl, but it'll make me groggy. Let me try this CBD stuff they gave me. And it was in capsule form. Um, and I didn't realize that I took 100 milligrams of CBD, which I've been led to understand is quite quite a bit. Normally, people take like 15 milligrams. Wait, the um, whole pill was 100 milligrams? It was a 50 milligram pill, and the, the packaging said to take two. Um, oh, sweet Jesus. So I didn't know. Uh, and then the next day I woke up, I was like, I feel kind of groggy. I don't know. I went to the coffee shop, and my um, conversation with my friend who works there was like pretty awkward and difficult for me. Mm. And then I was getting in my car to drive to therapy. And I was like, driving is really weirding me out. I was like, oh no, I'm I'm high. I'm so so high. Uh, and I was just like completely high for the entire day. Um, I left my house unlocked. It turns out when I came home, which I never do. Oh my Therapy God. was real mess. Uh, yeah. It was, so now I'm a little. Uh, you never I'm, want your I'm trying ther- to have CBD for sleep, but not <laughs> not a hundred milligrams. You never want your therapist to put like that note <laughs> in the in the little therapy notes, like was obviously very high. Oh, Absolutely. you better believe. I told her right away because I hate being high so much that this is like my greatest nightmare to accidentally be indisposed in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a it was a funny session. Well, you could look at it on the upside and you know how the Latin phrase goes, Vito Veritas. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, she then the following week, she's like, do you want to talk about any of the stuff you said last week? I was like, good Lord, no. I was just spiraling into things I don't really feel or think. <laughs> anyway. I, I've realized that I could actually read my therapist notes about me on the internet, like on our little like e-care. Um, what? Yeah. So I did it once and then I was like, I don't think I should do this again. But I like that. <laughs> I did notice that every time she mentioned my cat, she would write out my, my girl's whole name, which is Princess Carrie Fisher. That's incredible. Yeah. Oh, man. Love that lady. The therapist. Also the cat. Yeah. Love that I can cat. have them all. I can love all the things. I would be scared to death to read my therapist notes about me. Don't do it. It's I don't like, know. Just no. don't do it. I, I don't want to know. They're going to have misspelled people in my life's names, and then I'll have to bring it up. It's not a good... It's not a good path for me. Yeah, actually, if I'll Jeff, be bothered about the wrong thing. It's Jeff with a G E O F F. Jeff. Mm. <laughs> yeah, not to be confused with the J E F F. Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. Or Jeffrey with one F. <laughs> oh gosh, names are great. It's so early, y'all. <laughs> and then there's the Joffrey, but that's from the TV show. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, did you watch Game of Thrones, Sadie? I did not. All right, so we won't get into that. I, I didn't uh, either. I am just happened to have heard that name thrown around, so I wanted to sound cool. Same. I'm happy for everyone who loved it so much. That's my, my hard stance on Game of Thrones. Great. That's that's a good way to be about things, I think. Oh, I'm very happy yeah. for the people who enjoy that, that they get to enjoy this. Yeah, I was so psyched that everyone had something that they loved so much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I didn't have to. Yeah, that's exactly right. I'm not going to lie, like, I felt that way, but on the flip side, I also really enjoyed the schadenfreude of the last season tearing everybody up. I don't want to talk about that, Andrew. Yeah, these are spoilers. What if people haven't caught up? I have very strong feelings about it also. I'd rather talk about guitars, honestly. Is this a guitar podcast? I guess so. I thought this was a cat's podcast. (laughs) Are you going to talk about your cats? I mean, I could. They're really adorable. Sadie, do you have cats? I do not. I'm very allergic to them. Me too. But I, I like them. I have a dog. Oh, dogs. Dogs are great. I want a dog. I had five cats growing up. I think at some point we had more than that. Um, 
because my mom, I, I grew up in New York City, and at some point my mom moved to a very rural um, northwestern Connecticut where there's like farms and stuff. And we think um, a cat wandered down from the dairy farm and looked like it was starving to death. So we started feeding it. At some point we realized it was quite pregnant. Oh. And um, we wound up taking all these cats in. So oh God. I was very dosed on allergy medication my whole childhood. Uh, and when I turned 18, I was like, I'm done with this. I love the cats, but I can't take Claritin anymore. Oh, my God. Because, again, very sensitive to everything. <laughs> I'm I'm really allergic to my cat, but I just love her so much. But that story reminds me of um, Layla from Tuna Tone's story about how uh, she got her her cat. Really? Yeah. It, I don't want to steal Layla's stories, but um, she – I guess Tuna had kind of decided that Layla was her person when she lived um like sort of in a downtown oh, the cat area is named tuna. oh yeah that's why it was called tu- that's why it's oh, called tuna town i never knew that's so cute that, well tuna tuna died earlier this year so now it's kind of sad oh, but uh you know it's a nice memorial but yeah tuna um i guess had found her way into layla's apartment one night and had a litter of uh, kittens in her laundry basket <laughs> And Layla oh just comes God. home to this litter of kittens, this cat that she didn't want to commit to. She's like, well, I guess it's my cat now. I feel like you just have to look at that that litter of kittens. You're like, how much CBD did I take? <laughs> how high am I? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you you know Tuna Tone, right? Just on, on the internet. I think um, perhaps we have some plan to meet in the fall. For some, There's some right. Philly She's... Expo happening, but... Yeah, I have one of her guitars, and it is my absolute favorite. They're beautiful. Yeah, I I like. Um, I have never played one, but I like the look of them. It weighs like six pounds, so nice. that's really great for the way I've been doing gigs all summer, which is uh, the day of the gig. You show up to the venue at noon, and then you run through all the songs, and then you play them for three hours. Wow, that sounds like a lot. It is a lot, but it's fun. It's the it's two of the same show. So the singer it was rotating singers in a house band. Okay. So uh the singers would say which songs they wanted to sing and it was like a country music tribute night, so it'd be like Loretta Lynn and Tammy Wynette. So they would send us whichever Loretta or Tammy songs they wanted to play and uh we typically didn't get the set list until the night before. Uh because sing- sometimes singers are slow like that. Mm. Yeah. What? I'd be looking at the chart. I told you this, Andrew. Oh. I know. I just, I couldn't help to take a slight jab at singers, mostly out of jealousy because I can't hold a tune. Mm. But yeah. So then we just go through it with the, each song with the singers in 30 minute increments. And then uh, we do two sets. And it was so fun. That sounds fun. And sounds like you'd probably want something light on your uh, upper vertebra. Yep, when you're standing for like eight hours <laughs> yep. with it, I'm sure. So tell us about your guitars. Yeah, um, primarily I've been playing um, a guitar that was built for me by Moniker, which... Um, oh, rest yeah. in peace, Moniker. In peace. Uh, it, they were so great. They were so great. This guitar is great. I, I love it. Um, and So I play that primarily live. Um Sometimes I play uh, PRS, uh, Mira. Um, I grew up a Fender player, like probably a lot of kids. Um, oh, yeah. Started on Strats and then sort of migrated over to Jazz Masters. Um, mm. What else? I mean, I kind of like everything. I'll, I'll, I'll try any guitar. I played um, a, a baritone Dan Electro. Um, nice. Yeah. So I, we, we have fun. Me and my my uh, things that are all stacked behind me. Your hoard. Your hoard. My little family. <clears throat> I always joke that my cat. I have guitars laying around the house like cats. Mm. Yeah, that, that, I mean, I, I have um, only so many stands, so a lot of them wind up in cases. But then I'll be pulling one out, and then suddenly it's, um, you know, occupying the entirety of the couches and chairs in my little studio basement. So. Yeah. Yep. I was so, just, only um, so many can fit in corners. I was working out of um, New Monkey Studio, which w- had been Elliot Smith's studio, um, and I I rarely get to fly in for a recording session, so usually I'm I'm showing up with a huge arsenal of my own stuff, um, 
and in this case i didn't i i brought my i brought the moniker just in case there was anything that was like you never know what the action will be like if you're trying guitar yeah. and maybe some parts would have been tricky but i didn't have to use it i just and i just every single part every like three second part i was like okay now i want to use like this particular guitar um nice kind of fun to get to play all these because i i'm really i'm not like super into telecasters um yeah but i was having a lot of fun recording with one that i don't have to own um yeah not a big like you know i never thought i wanted a les paul um but had a lot of fun recording on one I believe that. Uh, and that kind of leads into into the topic. Yeah. But uh, Andrew, do you want to thank your sponsor first? Our sponsor? I do want to thank sponsor and friend of the show, Chad Jennings of Jennings Guitars. Well, that's a great radio voice you just had. It was really good. You've been working on it. No, that's my, I just woke up. My voice hasn't warmed up yet voice. I was actually thinking it's great that we're taping this today because, as I said, I was in L.A. working... From like 7 a.m. to 1 or 2 a.m. every night. And my voice sounds like it, which is perfect for a podcast or radio. Very jazz DJ. I'm the same way <laughs> right now, I think. Nice. We all like, sound super cool. Yeah. <laughs> just like so much, so much uh, vocal fry. Yeah. Just sounds so rad, man. Just like hear the voices and like, yeah, dude. Can't do a single <laughs> episode, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> without your okay <laughs> without your california voice <clears throat> jennings guitars provides <laughs> u.s handmade guitars at an affordable price get yours today at jenningsguitars.com they are really affordable it's kind of insane it is actually pretty insane and yeah. i can't wait for my build to come in i've talked about it a lot and i think i'm just going to start saying i'm just excited for it and let everybody start to uh get excited with me because i can't wait if you hear me typing it's because i'm looking them up now too to see if i want one. Ooh. Oh, they're great they're super oh, i've looked at these before yeah these are nice yeah so I, i'm getting a voyager deluxe and the only thing i'll say more about that topic is that i uh, let's just say orange is going to be the coolest color for guitars in 2020 it's a trend it's going to be a thing all right, all right. orange is can... the new uh finish my sentence <laughs> three tone sunburst i'm not sure what it was before nice yes thank you that was good i was gonna say black but we've been we've been there we've done that i'm so tired i feel like shell pink and um surf green have both been really popular as of late i've got shell pink on my moniker that's my um my tuna tone nice. shell pink is great but i gotta say orange is gonna have to take over yeah it's okay. just gotta happen let me see yours first so. I tried to build mine to look like Sailor Moon's guitar. Um, ah, so it has nice. the, the, the crescent moon cut out. Um, there's all kinds of like pearl details and gold. It just, just looks like her, her her wand in guitar form. Is that the one that says Sad 13 on the headstock? Yeah, exactly. I think you played it at the KXP thing? I'm sure I did. Yeah, it's it's a yeah. really fun guitar. Oh, those, those KXP sessions I love. I don't know why they take like four months to come out though. Because they, they probably do so many of them and... I'm not sure. It was fun working there because they have um, they've sort of redone everything, and now they have laundry for bands. That's so nice. Of <laughs> so them. you can do your laundry while you're taping the session, which especially is great because often you wind up, you know, you're coming from having played Portland the previous night, and you got to get, or even God forbid, Vancouver, um, and they sometimes <laughs> start quite early in their sessions. So. Yeah. That's really thoughtful. It's like it's very thoughtful. We were so effusive and thankful about the laundry more so than anything. I mean, it, those are great sessions. They look beautiful. They sound better than anybody else's radio sessions. Um, mm -hmm. But laundry. Because well, someone who tours thought of that. Yes. Well, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. A lot of Another great reason to love our wonderful city and its independent radio station. Support yeah. KXP comes from the 93.3. Cool. Um, yeah, I love KXP. They are fantastic. And Shara Waters is the best at oh, interviewing. Very cool. We um, So Speedy started in like 2015 posting Saver Spaces policies at our shows. We have a, um, a text hotline that you can contact if you're 
experiencing harassment at one of our shows. Um, and oh, we I also distribute bystander intervention and de-escalation uh, tactics, like a one sheet at our merch table. And um, sometimes I get asked to consult for like other bands who want to do that um, or venues. And KEXP is the first radio station that reached out to me asking what they can do and how they can help um, Seattle's <gasps> music scene. So um, not only a great station, but they, they really care about their listeners, which I thought That's was so cool. great. Yeah. Do you have that one? Sh- you said you have a one shooter that pamphlet that you give out. At um, it's table? so I basically, you know, the organization Hollaback. Yeah. So they have all kinds of tactics online, um, and I consolidated some of them into like a one page um, thing that's easy to print out, black and white. Um, so we just print a ton of them off the top of every tour, and and they're just available at our merch table. Nice. Yeah, I'll have to remember that one. I think that's super rad. Yeah. That is. It's important. And there's just a lot of things that I think that venues and festivals can do to make that environment overall better. They're starting to, for sure. Yeah. Or Seems trying that way. to start to. I know. I worked at um, for some festivals for a number of years in Seattle. Uh, and the big thing that we always tried to do is make sure we have female security guards. Great. Because that was just so important for, you know, women. Mm-hmm. To feel to feel more comfortable probably going up to you know alexandra or someone instead of our our our, our dudes were always just super sweet teddy bears but they're a little intimidating on the outside and that's kind of the point yeah and frankly they're not always super sweet teddy bears i think no they're not hiring security not only for festivals but for venues um you're hiring out to another company and you can't be certain of how how people are trained and what they're trained how they're trained to react um Mm-hmm. So often like we're having these things and, and security will pick them up. And that makes me happy because I've certainly seen people get very aggressive with me when I'm working and just trying to get back to, you know, my stuff. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. We don't have to dwell on that. No, it's not at all. <laughs> That's not, it's too early to get that dark. But, um, so I, Andrew was so excited when I told him we were going to talk about studio stuff today. Because, like, I – so I, I majored in music business, and I spent a lot of time in, in studios, uh, a little bit as a recording person and artist, guitarist, and um, a lot as someone whose boyfriend worked in studios, <laughs> oh, which I don't recommend uh, dating that way anymore. But um, so Andrew's never even been in a proper studio. Really? Yeah, that's one of the things where I like I've always wanted to and like ever since before I even really started learning how to play an instrument was like that looks super cool. I want to go do that. I want to go sit in a vocal booth like I don't even sing. I just want to sit in and just like, wow, that's a U87 sitting right in front of me. Mm -hmm. And I I don't think I've ever been like in a proper, proper studio. I've been in some pretty decent home bake um, like someone's extra room studios. And I've played with a decent amount of equipment. I've watched countless hours on YouTube. And so I'm sure I would, I could slip into a studio and at least sort of understand what's going on. But I just, I've always wanted to be in there. And that's kind of like that magical Disneyland. What's stopping me now? Uh, time. <laughs> time. Time, money. Yeah. The usual. The usual. Yep. No. The usual. The usual. But it's so it's so fun and wild the first time you go into one. It's. Do you remember what when that was for you? Yeah, I mean, it was in college. It was probably my freshman year. Honestly, one of my first days, I had to take um, recording technology class. It's probably one of the first uh, courses I, I had to take in college, and so we would go from like. I think the class was technically in like the studio C, so it was just a vocal booth and a little small smaller mixing board but then the studio a had like an enormous neve console and Whoa. a big room and little breakout rooms it's it was like a world-class studio where were you in school belmont university in nashville damn well yeah Be- there you go yeah and then belmont also has the lease on rca studio b so when i record my ep in college uh my boyfriend was uh working at that studio uh, as part of his student work, which is insanely cool. <laughs> so um, he, I recorded a lot of my EP there, which That's is amazing. 
stupid. So <laughs> I'm so I have a lot of friends who went to because um, I used to live in Massachusetts. I got a lot of friends who went to Berkeley um, wow. and they have Susan Rogers on faculty there. So all my friends will be like, yeah, I did my like, you know, Bandcamp album with Susan beeping Rogers. Um, I just, yeah, I'm quite oh, envious. <laughs> God, I could listen to that woman tell stories for hours. Yeah, I'm sure they did. She says she's the best. Um, for those who don't know, Susan Rogers was Prince's like personal engineer for uh, five years, maybe. Like during Purple sure. Rain. Long time though, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was at least through uh Purple Rain through Sign of the Times, I think. Yes. I forgot <laughs> about that. Like a college student and suddenly Susan Rogers is producing it. Mm-hmm. Um I I went to a summer camp when I was um most mm-hmm. of my childhood that I later worked at. Um, but it it had started as like a socialist work camp, um, in I think the fifties. Um but by the time I was there, it was like a Montessori style um, studio arts camp. So they had not only on the visual side of things like glass blowing and um, sculpting, welding, stuff like that, but they had a recording studio. Um, and so the first like two years I was there, I kind of tried out all kinds of things that weren't um, studio recording. And by the time I finally landed in the studio, which obviously at this point now I'm like, oh, it's it's sort of bare bones. Um, I have as much stuff as, as they had then. Um, for my little home setup, but I was just like fascinated and obsessed and was just constantly trying to get myself on the schedule there as much as possible. Um, and I feel really lucky that I was like 15 years old when that was happening. Oh, and, yeah. um, you know, I think that a lot of the sort of, and, and there was also a, a woman working in the studio. It was like two dudes and a, and a, a woman. Um, so I think a lot of the like, gender discrimination that not even as an engineer but that people women who go into the studios for the first time experience um feeling intimidated to talk back or to you know be explicit about what they want sound wise mm-hmm. um just i didn't even wouldn't have ever occurred to me because i was like 15 um so i feel so lucky constantly whenever i'm working in a studio that i got in early enough that i i just um didn't have a chance to develop those kinds of insecurities so i'm yeah. very good at like talking back and being explicit about um what it is i need which i think sometimes there's a um it's changing more so but i think you know there's like a studio culture of saltiness and um i I feel (laughs) versed in it (laughs) yeah and i i think that's such a big part of that is is not just like almost a a self-consciousness that you know women tend to have but just like you you were able to develop the vocabulary of all those things a lot younger Yes. And that is which, which so is what key. builds your confidence in using them. Oh, totally. You're like, oh no, I don't like the hall reverb. Let's try the plate reverb. And like yep. that's that's so major. But I was just um have I just had a little rehearsal with um a woman I'm gonna play guitar with uh for a show coming up and she sent me her album and I learned, you know, the guitar parts in the album and I I go in and she's like, Well, I didn't really like the way the guitar was on the album. So at first, my first reaction was like, okay, well, then I would not have spent the time learning those parts. I would have just done my own thing. But, you know, it made me feel bad that she didn't at the time, like, this is her work. And she didn't have, you know, whatever that she needed to feel comfortable to say to the person who was laying guitar, like, this is not what I want. Mm-hmm. And that made me sad for her. Yeah, because it's a permanent document of hopefully getting, you know, as clear representation of what you're hearing in your head, um, it's always such a disappointment when, when those things don't don't line up as closely as you'd hoped. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I've been um, I've been working on so I'm, what I'm recording right now is for my um like solo project, which is still sounds full band, but um, it, it the first record I did of it is called Sad Thirteen, um, the project, and I just recorded the whole thing alone in a bedroom um and played everything i think we we retracked the drums um with a drummer and then i retracked some of the vocals with a friend who had nicer mics than i do um but beyond that it was just you know very much me in a room for two weeks um so i've been doing the second record for this project um and similarly like i'm playing everything i'm writing the drum parts but i got my my very amazing friend zoe brecher is gonna drum for me um, on it 
but um, it's taking so much more time than it does when I'm just recording it myself at home. Mm-hmm. Because when it's lo-fi and it's just me, I'm like, well, I don't, you know, I can just comp all these parts together. I don't really, I'm, I'm not as concerned about, um, you know, it'll be like that I played it and wrote it in a single day. And then 10 months later, I have to learn it for the tour. Um, I'm going into nicer studios to redo these now. Um, with like proper engineers who aren't just me being an idiot at home. Um, so I'm really like, my brain has just been filled with trying to memorize 30 tracks of like weird guitar or whatever, <laughs> like synths that I, you know, did in soft synths at home, but now I'm going to play them on whatever crazy thing the studio has. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a fun experience, but I can really only do like two songs at a time because it's just so much for my brain to hold on to. <laughs> yeah, I, I in listening to I, I don't know how it compares to the Speedy Ortiz stuff, but like that's that's those are some complex things in a really cool way. It's like definitely complex, but the the difference there is that because I have um I'm still pretty much writing I'm not writing all the parts, but I'm writing most of the parts or at least like coming up with the the part that then gets changed to be a similar part. Um, but I don't have to memorize more than just the guitar parts, which is easy for me. Yeah. Um, synth a little less so, like bass a little bit less so. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. a lot to, to keep track of. But that's like, that's how Prince worked too. Like he it would is, just yeah. go, and that's just 80% ship it. And that's, yeah, it's crazy to me. Like that's that's so much to do. It's a lot to do. It's it's fun though. I'm I'm yeah. really um kind of remembering those feelings of being 15 and being like, wow, this is the thing I'm most excited about in the entire world. I want to stay up all night like continuing to work on these things um which mm-hmm. is, you know, I, I'm I'm twice a little over twice that age now, so it's uh fun to tap in to those kind of excited feelings again. Yeah, how long have you been playing guitar? Um I started when I was just just before I was 13. Oh, nice. So I, I got a guitar for my 13th birthday, but it was like a couple months before that. So mm-hmm. A little bit. I think my cat's about to jump into a trash can. Oh. Don't do it. How long has your um, cat been jumping into trash cans? This is a new trash can. So um, my my grandmother died pretty recently. So my oh, parents I'm just sorry. drove up. Thank you. Um, it, she listened to every episode of this podcast. It's it's just, I miss her. Um, but my parents drove up with some things from their house all the way from South Carolina. They drove across the country. And one of those things was this big uh, Charlie Brown peanuts metal trash can that was always in my room in their house growing up. And it was originally my aunt's. So that's just sitting out. And I have to decide where to put it. And I think my cat's like, I think I fits. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to I don't want the loud clank to happen when she jumps in and realize she doesn't super duper fit and then can't really get out. <laughs> that looks like a great place for me to sit down. Maybe I can <laughs> we're just gonna jump in there. Oh my god, no, 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 no. I'll tell you what, Andrew, I think my cat heard you do that from my headphones. <laughs> well, that was that was your cat's inner monologue anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> right. That's literally always her inner monologue. She's a very scaredy cat. No, 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 no. So, Andrew, studio stuff. Yeah. Yes. Mm, let's get your take. Well, what do you want to know? It was so funny talking with you a little <laughs> bit last night about studio stuff. And you're like, I just want to go in with four, with four or five ideas in one day. I'm like, ah, that's a lot of ideas for one day, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just like really hyped because I've always got tons of ideas floating around in my head and I haven't played it in a group for a cup year and a half now. So it's been a little bit since I've played with other musicians and I just miss it. And I was just getting very hyped at just the remote idea of doing anything like that. So would you and, in your dream, would you write, would you be writing in the studio? Would you come in with like sort of loose ideas and then? Um, experiment? The way I like to write songs is to have a couple of riffs, just to, some riffs to go off of or maybe some lyrics to work around depending on if I want to do something written around the guitar part or something written around the lyrics and then get together with a couple of competent musicians and see what they have to add to the mix and just kind of start playing with it until it sounds right. Nice. 
I like that. It's kind of how I've always done it with bandmates and like, yeah, here's the sick. Like I used to be in a uh, metalcore band and we sucked. It was terrible. <laughs> but uh, I say that half joking mostly because it was just we didn't play for long enough to really flush out a, the fullness of our sound. But I would just show up like, hey, I've got this riff. What can we do with it? And then, you know, a few hours later, we had a song. I like that. And it was always just really fun to do it that way. I, I, I think what's so interesting to me learning about other people's processes is that people are so like specific and um, vary so widely in how like I couldn't even imagine write, writing that way because I'm such a like utter I mean I have OCD um, so I guess maybe that explains some of it but I'm very um, I, I cannot jam I, I don't I, I could but I'm not going to be like happy with anything I do that way um, and so I'm always amazed when I have bands that are just like four people and they kind of just jammed together and then wrote something so crazy because it's so impressive to me because what I have to do is like spend you know 24 hours alone recording in my own home first before I even get to something that I would want to do in the studio because if I'd gone into the studio in the first place I would just be wasting so much money because I want to have like the most clear plan so I'll come in with like these serial killer notes of like here's where this exactly like you know measures where these sounds are happening and here's exactly how I affected them so we can like replicate that with the studio stuff it's just like um it's a bit it's probably overwhelming for other people who have to be around me but I yeah oh that's that's not a bad way to do it at all and I've um I uh I was in a jazz group for a bit and when I say jazz group I really mean it was my high school jazz band (laughs) I mean it's the same thing we all had we all had sheet music and that was just, it was the clinical that we wanted to play it down to the note of yeah. what we were working with. And that there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I really enjoyed that way as well, I think. And that's also how I get at the end of the process. So I guess where I start is I start with a riff. We collaborate until we have most of the bones. And I really like the way that that turns out because it always feels like there's interplay between the musicians. And then after that, it's the finishing touches is where do we add the little fix here? Where can we add in like, um, cause we play with backing tracks. We could add in a little bit of synth bits here and there. And like, where can we add this? And that's where I break out the sheet music. And I start actually writing out what I have to work with and like, Oh, well maybe if we add in this note here with this sound, um, like that's where I start getting back to the clinical. Yeah, that's cool. Side. I, this is the first, this session that I just finished is the first time I've written out um, sheet music for my own project since I was like sort of probably early college. Wow. That's awesome. Which was like, of course I don't fully remember how to do it, um, but I at least was able to write it in a way that I could read it myself and explain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like staff, yeah. no, like staff that- notes and everything too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you have a program you use for that or did you do it by hand? No, I was doing this by hand, like on wow. a Wow. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I. That's the only way to do it. I, I hate using programs to write music. I mean, I, I have ProSonus 3 that I'm about to use to um, do some things for Eastwood. And yeah. I don't, because nobody wants to like download my chicken scratch from hand, which I yeah. have. That's that's reasonable. Yeah. It'll have the tabs and the shape notes and I can listen back and make sure that, you know, that it really is an eighth note there and not a dotted eighth note. Mm. Ugh. Yeah. I just need to do that more. It's, I, I'm so out of practice. I've never read notes for like actual staff notes for guitar. So I, uh, guitar, this is the thing. Cause so I'm playing all this stuff. Um, guitar is very easy for me to memorize cause it's my primary instrument that I, no, really well. So I didn't have to write out anything for guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, I just know what the part is, and that's that was enough. Um, but for the, all the synth stuff, I haven't. I played piano as a little kid, but I haven't. Um, I'm writing all these parts, and then I'm like, I can't remember, you know, where the sharps. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I don't remember what things are. So I was writing out um, like synth, synth, and and, and uh, keys and organ music. Mm-hmm. Damn, that sounds harder almost, but. It's easier for me because I'm like, I can see where I'm like, oh, my hand only has to move like this certain, you know? Yeah. I guess like, I feel like it's easier to visualize a keyboard than it is for some reason to visualize, for me to visualize notes on sheet music for guitar. Yeah. Because I've never really thought about guitar in that way. I, when I first started playing, I I did only because I was trying to teach myself. um, And I, 
did like classical um, singing when I was younger, like when I, when I was in middle and high school. Um, so I would be like, I'm just going to try to play this weird like choral sheet music on guitar. So I, I yeah, it, it, that early on in playing guitar, I was looking at sheet music and trying to play from it, but um, not in so, so long that that's not, it's, I can barely tap into that anymore. Yeah. No, it's like, it's something, it's a muscle you have to stretch for sure. Very much. Yeah. It's like when you get older, like you have to remember to practice to put your arms over your head or you're going to lose the ability to do that. Oh my God. Scared. I know. You saying that made me just do it. I go, I know I'm doing it as, I go to boxing classes a couple times a week and I really love seeing the, you know, the woman there in her seventies and she's not really hitting the bag very hard or anything, but she's like, she's going through more movements than she would go through with other kinds of exercise and is probably having a lot more fun. It's cool. Yeah, just I'm trying to convince my mom to do it because she's been running and it's been, I think, wreaking a little bit of havoc on her hips and stuff. I'm it's like, very hard on your body. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, well, and she's worried about the boxing. Like, I, I think it's just like a more natural motion and kind of keeps your joints loose because you're you're twisting and you're pivoting a little bit more. And yeah. yeah, and you're kind of jumping up and you're like moving her arms around. But I mean, she's been a runner for forever. Well, running is just a lot of hard impact, especially if you're running on streets. Yes. Well, the streets are better than on the sidewalk, marginally. Marginally, but um, it's still it's still really difficult. I mean, mm-hmm. and uh, trail running is dangerous sometimes. It is. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did cross country in high school until I got severely injured, and I haven't done a whole lot of long. Like, I think the longest I've been able to run since then is, like, maybe three miles before my knee starts giving out on me. Oh, wow. It's, like, really screwed up my yeah. joints. Yikes. I've done... Well, I, I do distance running. Yeah. I did I did and cross country in high school, and I have kind of run on and, and off on tour since then. But I trained for a marathon over the past year, um, and the training went really well, except for I, I got a flu the day of the marathon, so I had to oh, bail out halfway through because I got really sick. Yeah. Um, which was a bummer because all my training had gone well. But I did early on, um, I started experiencing some lower back sciatica stuff. And what the PT was saying is because running is only, um, you're basically only moving in one plane. You just go forward all the time. Um, something like boxing or a sport where you are sometimes going backwards, sometimes going to the side, sometimes doing some twisting um, is much less likely to cause you injury. Mm-hmm. And it's the same idea of, of people like high school athletes who do more than one sport are less likely to be injured because they're stretching out those other muscles. Interesting. Yeah, but I've I've done two I've done two half marathons. I was supposed to do a full marathon and like I think like the day after my big ten mile run that went so well, I went on a little short a couple days after I went on a little short run. My knee was bothering me at the beginning. I ignored it and by the end of it I'm like, I yeah, I've I messed up. Did you get it checked out? Yeah, and I just I I didn't do the full marathon. I ended up doing the half marathon. I was recovered enough to do that, but um, nice. yeah, my husband ignored some knee pain, and then he had to get like some some shot, and then he got an oh, ulcer. No. He ran the marathon. He got an ulcer though. That's the thing. Like I got halfway through my marathon, and I'd done all the you know I'd done the twenty mile training. I, I'd done everything and was feeling good, and then I got a flu four days before the marathon like an idiot decided to run it anyway and then about halfway through my whole right leg just felt completely seized up I still went a couple miles but at some point I was just like walking and trying to like pick up my leg even to get to the next step and I had to go to the medic tent and it turns out I blew out my IT band so I've been in um it's it's mostly better now I've been in physical therapy for the past couple months but um and they think I'll be fine to do a fall marathon Mm -hmm. but um yeah, I feel like it's it's hard when you have the adrenaline and you want to just run through something that's painful because you think you'll be fine, and then you can, you can really cause yourself more injury if you ignore those those that's, signs of pain. Yeah, yeah. It band was on the list of things that I also injured in high school. Yeah, yeah. That was not exciting. It was uh, it was it was getting super tight, and so I was straining my it band, but it was also yanking on my knee, so it also strained my meniscus at yeah. the same Ooh. time. Where I had you, we frac- had the same problem. I had uh. 10 in my right and eight in my left uh, ankle for stress fractures at the same oh time. God. Cause I was getting run like 10 to 20 miles a day. So you had stress fractures in your ankle. Sorry. It's turning into a running podcast. That's fine. Fascinating. <laughs> you hurt your ankle and then the opposite IT band was the problem. I hurt both ankles. So I had stress right. fractures in both ankles. I had a sprain in my right ankle. I had my right knee had a strained meniscus and the strained IT band. 
You just had everything. Ambersitis in my right knee. I was on so much ibuprofen for months. That's not great. Again, can actually cause you even further injury while running. But um, I, I, my, my PRs are great. I was really excited about my PRs, which is what kept me going. I was like, I'm going to run through this pain yeah. and get my PR. I was really proud of my mile time, and I wanted to get it down even further. God, so. I was always a slow runner. I just felt so good if I finished. Yeah. It's, you know, it's whatever feels good to you in your run, I, I think. I hated running. My I, husband I loves it. I sprained my ankle falling down the stairs carrying some gear oh. um, two weeks before this marathon. But it's the opposite ankle of the leg I... I uh, the IT band I pulled, but the the PT thinks probably even though the ankle sprain wasn't bothering me running, I, it probably impacted my gait and was on top of that having the flu. I was probably just putting all the work on my right leg, and that's why I blew out my IT band. Anyway, guitars. guitars. <laughs> Real quick before we go back to guitars, I just yeah, yeah. I, I got to throw it there. I was really proud of my one mile time was four minutes and fifty seconds. Damn, that's Kevin great. Bannister, that's very good. Jeez. And then I got injured, so. I- Yikes. Well, I'm proud of you still. Yes, we're very proud of you, Andrew. Anyways, back to guitars where I, I know much less about the studio. Well, I want to hear I want to hear all the things. Just just real quick, there's a pool like running back to being a musician. That's one of the easier uh, fitness regimens to keep up on the road, I, I'd assume. It's the only one I can think to do, yeah. yeah. I mean, I know... Unless I were to set up and do yoga every day, which uh, feels awkward when I'm staying with other people. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to go on tour for a few weeks in the winter, like in February, I think. And I'm just kind of dreading not boxing for two weeks. I'm like, well, I'm just going to be probably eating too much fast food and not being active. You could probably find like a... a boxing gym. Or not even just a gym, like a podcast, so that's something you can do. Um, I know that there's like audio fitness things that you can that's do. That's true. Um, that that you have boxing. I could shadow box. All of my friends that do, all my friends that do CrossFit, all have like their set list of things that they can do just in a hotel room without any equipment. Like uh, that's what you gotta find. Just throw their just bags like, around a little bit. I don't something. I'm not. I I don't. I, I'm no longer uh, the type of person to do exercise. But I'll do the weightlifting <laughs> routine with my JC40. There you go. Ugh. Just like a, like a kettlebell. Just yes. Just swing it up. I mean, it's solid state, so it's just it'll be fine. Yeah. It'll be fine. I'm not worried. <laughs> but studio stuff. Yeah. Well, the reason I thought to do this is because. Um, you know, over the course of, I've been working in studio since I was 15. Um, I have certain habits that to me seem very normal and that, um, I was working with this really great engineer, Sarah Tudson, who's in the band Illuminati Hotties. You should uh-huh, absolutely yes. have her. Um, she's a dream to work with. We were working out of this, um, Elliot Smith studio, new monkey. And there were just a couple things that I did that she was like, Oh, I didn't, I haven't thought of people doing that. Like I arra- wrote and arranged these songs basically to the gear list of the studio. Um, oh smart so I was yeah so that was kind of a fun thing but apparently that's unusual um and I also I told her that I won't do um I won't mix over email I I only will do attended mix sessions and it's like crazy to me that people do them over email but apparently having that as a hard and fast rule is not um I don't know. Not, I can't believe that's not universal so So I I guess I was just to communicate like I can't mix over email I've had to throw out I had to throw out mixes that Sylvia Massey did, which were like, fuck, she's awesome. But I was just like, it's going to go into so many revisions and she doesn't have time for this. No. And um, and I'm not getting quite what I want because I can't just be there and say like, pan to there or like, you know. Exactly. Or just turn that EQ Use this plug into bit. this point. Yeah, yep, exactly. Because I just feel like. Um, so I guess yeah. I was curious if you guys have. I don't know. I do not understand mixing on anything other than like a physical console. I I, like I can't unless you can like physically touch the things like I just can't visualize it so if I'm recording in like studio one and I don't I don't because I don't have something like that at my house but I'll just you know plug into my focus right typically like I'll do a little panning and then I'll adjust the volume just a little bit but I mean that's this is never going to be stuff that I feel comfortable releasing because it's never going to be a good mix ever Mm. I just need to look at it and dick around with it you know with my hands god that sounded awful that's kind of awesome because increasingly even people who have crazy like crazy crazy boards are like automating everything yeah uh yeah no i don't 
I don't know. I do you have a do you have a pretty sizable pedal board? Do you take that into studios? I no, um I try actually on the pedal front um as little of my gear as I can use as possible mm-hmm. is what I prefer because I want to be able to get sounds that aren't just like my go-to. You know, uh especially the the pedals I play with live all the time I feel like are my go-to sound, but I don't want I want the songs to be their own little universes. Yeah. So I will try to use as much of the studio's pedals as possible, especially if there's anything like kind of rare and kind of broken. Um I love stuff that like doesn't fully work and and can lend that character to yes. the recording. Um, but I usually will bring like for instance, this was a fly-in session, so I couldn't couldn't and didn't want to bring my whole. And I have like a big pedal board, but I also have tons and tons of other pedals at home mm-hmm. um, that I primarily just use for home recording. Um, so I brought a little shoebox of like just in case you know, like non-negotiable for me. I need to have a great overdrive, mm-hmm. um, and so I brought the one that I prefer to use, um, which is Earthquaker Dunes, which is sort of my, yeah, live. That's one of the best TS style pedals on the market. Always. I would, I would agree. Um, I brought that. I brought an avalanche run from Earthquaker. Um, you're just nailing it, (laughs) but I didn't even wind up having to use them because the, because there was, um, so much cool stuff, so much cool, like weird stuff I'd never heard of at new monkey. Um, so that's generally my preference is to go for the stuff I don't don't already know so I can experiment rather than just dialing up okay here's my normal dune setting like I know. just think that's smart. I don't even I don't think that should be weird. I think that everybody should like consider doing that playing to what the studio has. Yeah, I was when I went to the studio a few weekends ago that studio didn't have a lot there. Like I looked at their list. I'm like, "Ah, eh, well, you know, I'll just bring my things." But uh, right up the street from me is the Recovery Effects Studio, and that's like Andrew cool. and I were talking. I don't know if you're familiar with their pedals, but uh, they're really neat. I, I and, haven't played them, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, and uh, Andrew and I really want to do an episode with them soon, where we actually go into their studio. But if you look at the list of the things that they have at that studio, it's it's incredible, and it's a lot of weird boutique stuff, and that's like that's what i love a lot that's cool i'm looking yeah. at all these these are i want them <laughs> yes i i need to pick some of those up i had been on a bit of a spending freeze and now i'm coming out of that your flesh well i like to um i'm going to try to only spend money i make through music on music mm, that's cool i think that would be smart yeah so yeah, I've had some break gigs even. lately. Yeah, yeah, just at least break even because I have the day job. Treat yourself. I try to treat myself. I have, I work all the time. That's literally not even exaggeration. Emily won't even say this, but I don't think she takes breaks. I don't think that's like that's a thing. Nine to five, five to nine. Relatable. Yeah, it's I. I don't know. I think it's my anxiety. I don't like not being active. I guess in yeah. some way. Which my therapist would say that's a whole thing. Fair. I mean, I, I um, I think we were talking about my ther- therapy earlier, and that I have OCD, and I only started going um again this year because I some of my like OCD symptoms were like coming back and being worse, and so it's crazy how much of my work ethic I attribute to that. Like in a way that I'm trying to trying to strike a balance between, um. I don't know, like I love doing music and I love working all the time and I'm so excited to collaborate with as many people as possible. And then I come home from a trip like this one where I d- didn't really get any sleep and my voice is shot and I feel just like dead exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's so hard to, to strike that balance when you when you are excited about your work and are bad at when you, you know, your attention stuff gets so focused that you're like, I haven't used the bathroom in eight hours or like had a yeah. sip of water. Like, oh, I didn't, I didn't eat lunch today. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like with running. You've got to pace yourself. Yeah. Or you'll get burned out and injured. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I think that's why I joined like the boxing gym because now that I'm paying for it, I feel more compelled to take those those kinds of breaks. That's cool. That's a little bit of self-care. I want to box. You should. If you're ever in Seattle, I'll take you to my boxing gym. It's a date. Sweet. Yes. We were using um one pedal in this studio, the um how do you say it? Like Jex Telez. Do you know this? 
Yeah, I've heard of it. Okay, they have one that's like um, it's called the white pedal, and it just like it's in a Beatles lunchbox. It's all white. <laughs> you just have the like volume tone gain, whatever. And there is a a switch on the side, the only one that's labeled other than like VTG, you know, whatever. Um, it says Yoko, and we were like, "What does this do?" And I was like, "Oh my god, does it make it break up?" Um, <gasps> oh my god. It- <laughs> Does it? It does not. It's like a. It's like oh, a filter. No, but I'm. But now smarter. I'm like. I wish it had made it break up. Like that's. Fu- <laughs> Sorry. This fun. That's meowing <laughs> funny. <laughs> Even though I'm like well, obviously Team Yoko. Um, that's yeah. still funny, yeah. But I wound up using that for a lot of the like overdrive and, and uh, fuzz stuff. That's so cool. All right, so so I I I have to ask a question. I'm sure this is just the question that gets answered or asked anytime studio. T- techniques comes up but i i want to hear your thoughts on di and reamping. um okay i mean i will we will often use both the di and um the the amp sound um because i really love like bands like deer hoof um and i feel like that kind of sound is so crunchy and fun and allows for like really um extreme mixing choices so yeah, I mean, we'll I'll di and, and reamp plenty of things. Um, yeah, no, I, I was thinking more along the lines of uh, like I've heard people complain like, oh, well, the studio engineer wants to take a di, and I just know that after I leave the studio and they go to do their mix, they're going to reamp it through pedals and amps to make it sound different than what my sound is because that's not my sound, and I've heard people get all upset sounds about. Sounds like that. they have a terrible relationship with their engineer. Yeah, that's what exactly. What <laughs> well, sounds like. that's 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 a given. <laughs> Not yeah, I mean, I'm always down in, in mixing the last speedy record. We wound up doing tons of stuff like that. Um, and I just feel like it allows you the opportunity to try more things. I, I don't. Yeah. I've never I, heard of you someone know, doing that without telling the artist though. That's crazy. That's why you got to attend I, I, your mix sessions. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I appreciate your, your common sense attitude. And uh, at the same time, I, I was hoping that you wouldn't see it so cut and dry for a little bit of drama. Sure. <laughs> Andrew oh, trust is me, a I drama, love drama king. I can be. I love but drama. I, I really do appreciate the no-nonsense. Like, yeah, that's just, why would you be upset? Because that's how I feel. <laughs> I'd be upset if someone yeah. did anything without my knowledge or consent, like working without me there. That sounds mm-hmm. uh, pretty gross, but yeah. To, yeah, and to present it as anything other than like, oh, here's an option for you. Just... Yeah, no. and you know what? Right. Like your tone that you hear in your head, and that is the room just with your guitar playing, isn't necessarily what's going to meld best with the other tracks you layer on. Yeah. So you always want oh, the yeah. option of being able to to change things. Sometimes even drastically later, when you know the great part that you wrote that should be cutting through everything is not even apparent in the mix. You know, sometimes you need to look to other right. solutions. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So you you produce your records. Sounds like. So, uh, yeah. Co-produce? I was always hesitant to take that that title on when I wasn't engineering as well, but I think that's a fair assessment. <laughs> yeah. No, that's really cool because I feel like not enough women especially like, it, like take on that role. Yeah. I mean, parts. I'm really um, – a lot of people that I admire engineer and produce their own stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, you know, I have to mention Elliot Smith because I was working in a studio, but – um, when I learned that he was the one who was like recording him and producing himself, um, I mean, obviously he worked with like Larry Crane and, and with so many um, great engineers and producers, but he was like a really great producer of himself. And I think that's what got me into home recording when I was, um, when I, yeah, I, I, I went to the summer camp and then came home and w- wanted a, a four track for Christmas. Nice. So I've always wanted to be involved in that side of things. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, I know that you have something uh, in about 10 minutes, so um, do. Yeah, we'll go ahead. Uh, I think we might should wrap wrap it up just to be respectful of your time. Oh, that's very thoughtful because I'm not respectful we, of my own time. So, yeah, I mean, we could also like start some serious drama ish right now. Who do we want to who do we want to fight? I don't know. Nazis. Yeah, fair. Gibson. <laughs> no oh, Gibson I don't actually want to start that fight because I'm as much as I have my own thoughts about many things that have happened of late I am rooting for them as a company to for things to to 
turn around and for there to be a much better Gibson here in a few years because it's a legacy brand that I think deserves that kind of treatment. You're not I a like millennial. That. You're not a millennial, Andrew, then. You know, I, I'm just kind of my own thing. Did millennials kill Gibson guitars? Oh, we, we kill all of these things. Okay. Video killed the Gibson star? What? Killed Applebee's. Killed it dead. Well, I mean, have you been to an Applebee's? My father-in-law loves Applebee's. That just that strikes me as like the most Midwestern. Like, why don't we get dressed up a little bit fancy and it's, go Applebee's yes. and see what happens? My um, my boyfriend is from Cleveland. <gasps> oh, hi. We are constantly having he like he does this to annoy me because he thinks it's funny. <laughs> and I grew up in New York City, so I have not been to all kinds of like chain restaurants that are wildly popular. Like the Texas Roadhouse. So he'll just be like. Hey, by the way, yeah, I've never been to that. This is like what we do in the car. He'll be like, have you been to Applebee's? And I'm like, no, I have not been to Applebee's. Um, have you been to Chili's? Like, yeah, I went to Chili's once in Florida. Um, so he just loves to name uh, chain restaurants to me. And uh, yeah. And then I'll say I haven't been there. And then he'll say that's where I went um, for this like big family <laughs> yeah. occasion. Yep. Yep. I, I'm from <laughs> kind of a rural Ohio. So. Oh, so you get it. I get it. But he probably knows a lot of great Polish food if he's from Cleveland. He probably does, but that's not what he wants to make fun of mm-hmm, me about. Mm-hmm. Just chain restaurants. Yeah. No, I, yeah, no, that was like, that was like <laughs> what we had because like, I love supporting little businesses, but the ones in my little town just weren't very good. And sometimes we're uh, yeah. below um, meth houses. So mm, okay, yeah, I kind of would like to avoid that particular pizza joint. I don't think anyone would fault you. No, no, not at all. The biker bar with the perpetual drunk person half in and half out the door, like laying on the ground, like, hmm, <laughs> I don't think I want to go to there. I don't know. Head. It's just kind of got that that Midwestern hospitality feel, doesn't Someone, it? Uh, Midwestern hospitality would have been picking that person up and like putting them on a sofa. Yeah, I just know it. I was like, give him a bed. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, don't let them get like that. Their back's going to hurt so bad later. Yeah. All right, someone grab grab their keys and let's uh, drive their car home so their car's parked mm-hmm. in their driveway when they wake up. Oh, that would yeah. be too nice. This is nice. Uh, it would be very, be very nice. nice. No, I, I think since we're, since I think we've decided with the last little bit of time that we're going to fight chain restaurants, I just wanted to say that chain restaurants need to have smaller oh menus. Oh my God, Cheesecake Factory, why is your menu 20 pages long? See, I can't even like, weigh in because I don't, I don't know. Like, I'm a Christian. I, I've read the Bible. It's a really long book. And reading through that menu gives me anxiety. It's just too long. Yeah, I like to, in basically all kinds of shopping, whether that's at a restaurant or like, I was just saying the other day, there's this bookstore I really like in LA and I like it because um, for the new books, at least the selection is really small and well curated. It's not like stuff I see everywhere. So anytime that a store has like a very small selection, but clearly a lot of thought went into it, that's much less overwhelming for me than showing up in like when people are like, this is the greatest thrift store ever. I'm like, I can't, no. I actually can't deal because there's so much for me to look through that I'm having a panic yeah, attack. No, I get that. I hate that. I love those Restaurants little, little records. I just want my, my menu to be one page, not, not mm-hmm. no back, like a readable font. Yeah. I have very bad vision. And uh, I don't want to flip through things and the sticky like plastic pages and, uh, spiral back that you know someone's toddler had their hands all was over licking actively mm-hmm. because I've been around toddlers lately and my niece won't keep anything I, out of her friggin mouth I she we were at this you know I and think she this was is, at the otter exhibit and she just starts licking the glass at the otter exhibit you're like oh <laughs> this um, is all just a great case for why in and out is one of the best chain restaurants I in will the US. fight it's you. just a very simple Andrew, menu my mind. I will fight you <laughs> You're not a fan of In-N-Out. <laughs> no. Uh, I, it's not I'm very a, vegan. I'm a massive least, fan. But I have not been. <laughs> um, um, speaking of otters, this is a great place to end on. I feel like my favorite performance video, have you seen the sea otters playing a synth? Mm-mm. It's but just I'm like about a lot to. of them putting their hands through the cages, like playing a synth. And it's like some sick noise music. Nice. That sounds like the best way I could spend the rest of my Friday. uh, For listeners, go to the Facebook group. I will put that in the visual thread for this episode. Oh my God, yes. It's it's perhaps my most watched YouTube video. I feel like we should now, we we are now morally obligated to download that 
create a 10 hour loop and then <laughs> upload it to our I channel. Think you should, you should yeah. Go, you, I mean, you, you run, run point on that, Andrew. Run point. All right. I, uh, BRB, my laptop is going to be rendering that out for the next eight mm-hmm. days. Cool. Uh, well, uh, for those listening, uh, thanks for listening and thanks for understanding. Please rate and review on uh, iTunes or wherever you can rate and review this podcast. We have a store at getoffsetpodcast.com. Uh, please buy a shirt if you feel so compelled. And uh, the Mount Hood Fuzz pedal from Spruce Effects is still on sale for $199 when you use the code GETOFFSET at checkout. It's a what it's a triangle muff fuzz with a three band EQ and a presence knob and a germanium boost that can be that's I think always in front of it I don't think you can change the direction yep it's always in front of it because there's no point in putting it in the back uh it's a great sounding pedal and we have it on sale to celebrate 10k downloads that is 10,000 downloads of episodes of this show and we to be honest by the time this gets released it might have 11,000 could, that you know, would be up there. Let's go for a hundred thousand complete domination. One million downloads. Then we'll be getting that Casper money. All right, there we go. Um, give it to the give the Casper to the guy sleeping outside Aww. the bar. It was a lady. Aww. It was and with a that, oh, <laughs> you know, guy guy is in a gender yes, neutral I, way. I like guy in a gender neutral way uh, personally. Uh, well, this guy's yeah, got to go. this guy right so. here. Well, uh, bye, and uh, yeah, I guess goodbye. Bye. bye. bye.